0: Are you going to the llama school? Yeah!
1: How right. do I get there? Quick! I think you take uh, Las Palmas. Take Las Palmas to Colorado.
2: Take Colorado down to Pico. And that's how you get to llama school. You go to Pico. You take Pico to Colorado. Take Colorado to Las Palmas. And that's how you get to llama school. Pico? Take that to. Colorado. Then go down to Pico. and that's how you get to
1: llama school. Now you say Pico. And take your little llamas. Colorado, Colorado. Las Palmas. Get
2: to llama school. Get to llama school. You got to go to llama school.
1: went down to the podcast and saw Kai and he was like hey I'm gonna be on your show and I was like whatever and then went down to the podcast studio and they were like hey I think you'd be into it and I was like yeah whatever it's
2: best to just let him do this <laughs>
1: hi everybody uh this is I think you'd be into it the podcast about your faves I'm your host Brandon Beck
2: I'm your other host, Bess Grazado, who really needs you to know right now that the really big man is trying to shove himself underneath our bureau, and it's so funny.
1: <laughs> oh, good, 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 good. I, I mean, I love. I, I I am always here for a for a cat tangent, even like not even a minute into the show.
2: Yeah, that was all. That was all. Y'all, y'all might remember Gil the Podcat from uh, the Madman episode where he had a feature for his purring. But anyway, we're not here with Gil the Podcat this week. We are here with our guest, Kai Pearson.
0: Hello. Hello, everybody. Um, Thank you so much for inviting me onto your podcast to talk about my problematic fave, Joseph Stalin. Yes. I suppose we should start with Khrushchev's lies. Um, He uh, (laughs) had a lot of controversial things to say that the (laughs) imperious core of America Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. eagerly lapped up like the swine that they are. But um, over the next two hours, I think we're really going to come to an understanding. uh, And I think it's going to be. Um, edutain- a, a goal, and I think it's going to
1: be a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Great,
2: great, great. Can't wait, can't wait. Well,
1: welcome, comrade. Welcome. <laughs> Kai, I, I've, I've known, we've known each other since we were teenagers through the internet. It's been 20 years, man. 20 Yeah, that is, that is years. wild to me. Uh, and actually, th- when we first met online, your avatar was uh, an, a poorly animated gif of Syphil Ollie. Correct. And it stayed that way for as long as we were on that message board.
0: Absolutely,
2: and the one of those like 1999 gifs.
1: Yep, yeah,
0: with a frame rate of two.
2: It's like three frames. Yeah,
0: it's two frames. No, three is giving it far too much credit. Yeah, uh, it is two frames.
1: <laughs> Left mouth open, right mouth open.
0: Um, but that's it iconic i loved that avatar i would carry it with me to this day if twitter hadn't got rid of gif avatars uh,
1: that is such a such a shame i think i think my i don't remember what my avatar was on there but for a very long time i had this picture of ween uh yes playing at like uh, in, on like someone's porch
0: yes uh our friendship is weird in that for the first 15 to 10 to 15 years of it um I in my brain space only know you as the the name Wally, yeah, which is not your actual name, nor is it a name anyone really wants to be known by. No, <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, it, it, yeah, my my username on this forum was I am the Walrus, which got uh, shortened to Wally, and you're not the you're not the only one. Uh, our, our mutual friend Kristen Bartlett. Also, still called me Wally up until like my late twenties. Yeah, and
0: my username was also embarrassing because this was a Kevin Smith fan board, so mine sure was. was mine was J and S Bob's, and it was just shortened to Jans, which is how a good portion of my uh, closest friends knew me for a very long time in my
1: formative yeah. life. So. Yep. Yeah, I think I only started calling you Kai like in college once. Once our friendship had moved from a, a message board to the wider internet.
0: Yeah <laughs> and then uh, eventually into the meat space when you and I met at a uh outdoor music festival which is the perfect place to meet you.
1: Oh yeah, where where you were dressed as a a really accurate Hunter S. Thompson.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh if you aren't the type of person to shave your uh hair into a um horseshoe as a bit uh when you're going to be surrounded by hundreds of thousands of strangers. Um then I guess I didn't know you very long on the internet. Uh,
1: cause
0: <laughs> anyone who knows me knows that's exactly what
1: I would do, and, and and it's that and it's that level of commitment to the bit that I think is why we're still friends all these years later. Before we get into Cifonali, why don't we talk about something we're into this week? If anybody else wants to, maybe go.
2: I have one again. This is two two in a row oh, that we have recorded God. that I had one, and neither and neither one of them it's Ducktales. Thank God. Neither one of them. Um, I have just started watching on, on Amazon Prime. The first season was available for free until the end of July. Uh, and then I subscribed to the like seven-day free trial of PBS just to watch the other two seasons. But um, I started watching the Frankie Drake Mysteries, which is um, a Canadian show uh, that is apparently a spinoff of the Murdoch Mysteries.
1: That's a made-up show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's not a made-up. <laughs> no, it's not. It is not a made-up show.
1: That's like the show in a movie about a TV writer who's trying to sell a show. Right. That's classic show within a show title name. Yep. I think, honestly, I think that's the show from the TV set. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. No, The Murdoch Mysteries is a long running, um, like qu- quite a few years, uh, uh, Canadian period mystery show. Um, it takes place in the late 1800s and like right at the turn of the century. In Canada, um, and, like, the the main guy is, like, you know, he's, like, the maverick, and he uses things, like, this new, this newfangled idea of looking for finger marks, like, fingerprints, and, um, like, sometimes it gets, like, a little steampunky, and he, like, it quote-unquote invents, like, technology that will one day exist, but <sighs> sure, um, with, like, sure. weird technology at the time, but it's, it's sweet, and it's, you know, it's a mystery week, and the bad guys get caught or whatever, and this is technically a like sequel to it it takes place in the same universe there are a couple characters from murdoch mysteries that appear in frankie drake mysteries like as older versions
0: sure the extended murdoch verse
2: like yeah as as older versions of themselves as like side characters but this one takes place in like the early 1920s and she's a lady private detective and she owns her own detective agency and is very good it's basically it scratches the same itch that like miss fisher scratches um it's basically miss fisher in canada um but i'm enjoying it and unlike miss fisher it hasn't been canceled it was renewed for a fourth season (laughs) if things ever go back into production um i don't know i'm enjoying it it's got a pretty pretty jazzy soundtrack that i also enjoy that didn't need to go so hard uh the characters on it are all great um it's primarily focuses on these four women who are just like in toronto in the 20s just like trying to not constantly be told they can't do things because they're ladies um, she rides motorcycle. I don't know. I'm enjoying it. Frankie Drake Mysteries. It's a PBS show, I guess, here.
1: I you said it was like a cavalcade of Canadian character actors.
2: Yeah, that's what I was. I knew you were going to say that. Uh,
1: have any kids in the hall uh, showed up? Thank you. I was just about to
0: say how many kids of the hall have cameoed? Or, or, or
1: SCTVs.
2: I have not seen any kids in the hall. All the people that I've recognized have been people from, like, um, Canadian sci-fi TV shows. So, like, there was definitely a guy in there who was on Lost Girl. Um, there was a girl in one episode who was in Dark Matters. Uh, there was a girl in one episode who was in Winona Earp.
1: We had Colonel Tie up in the mix,
0: right?
2: No. There's
0: Tatiana Masley in it?
2: That's Orphan Black. You're thinking Orphan Black. And that was, uh, that was also Canadian, but uh, British- production, but she is in Perry Mason, which is also fucking great, but I'm going to save that because I'm going to need another thing on Wednesday.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so is this closer to the cozy mysteries of Agatha Christie or the dark, weird Perry Mason thing?
2: Oh, it's much cr- closer to like an Agatha Christie. It's cool. it's fun. It's the 20s. It's, it's jazzy. Everything is solved by the end. Nothing is like, it's not like the Perry Mason thing where there's like a surprise dead baby like five minutes in.
0: <laughs> yeah. Spoilers. Um... <laughs> But yeah, I need cozy, chill mysteries.
2: It's spoilers, but it's a spoiler that I'm willing to give because I think that they should have warned people that we're not going (laughs) to be ready to see a close-up of a dead baby. Like, I don't know, man. Like, that could be... It's pretty graphic, and it's very, very soon after the show starts. So it, like, definitely sets the tone, but if you weren't ready for it, if you weren't ready for it, um, it could be pretty jarring.
0: And I'm someone who grew up with the old Perry Mason black and white, so, like... I needed that tone established well in advance before it like slapped me in the face with it.
2: Yeah, I actually, I was given a heads up about the dead baby because they talked about it on My Favorite Murder, kind of for the same reason. They okay. were like, look, it's, they were like, maybe it's a spoiler, but like, I feel like we should tell people you're about yeah. to get dead baby real fast <laughs> because it really threw me for a loop.
0: Karen and George are doing the Lord's work.
1: My only, my only thing about Perry Mason is that it's, re- it's real good. And it's called Perry Mason, but he's just straight up playing Columbo. Oh. Yeah, like, he's just straight up doing, like, the Columbo thing. He's like, nah, I don't sure. know. He's kind of like Walker. Like, I half expect him to finish every scene by going, like, like uh, 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 oh, one more thing.
0: This episode is now about the new Perry Mason, a show I've not watched one minute of. Now
2: we're just talking about this, and I can't use it as my thing I'm into <laughs> later
0: this week. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh, no, we'll talk about it again. <laughs> Ducktales right. will still be there, Beth. It's fine,
2: dude. Ducktales is always there for me. Ducktales <laughs> is always in my heart, and also there's little statues of them right next to me on my shelf.
0: In my head, you're like uh, your cardiogram is just like the little line beeping up and down to like the boom, bam, boom, bam, boom, bam, boom, bam,
1: bam, 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 bam,
2: bam, Hell yeah, that is my heart rhythm. It's a huge problem. Uh, <laughs> it's actually a huge problem, actually, but uh, it's okay.
1: Uh, so my thing I'm into this week is uh can't
2: be Cory Wong again.
1: What? No, it's not gonna be Cory Wong again. Yeah, I have I've talked enough about it. actually local Minneapolis guitar hero, uh Corey Wong. Um, oh, fuck off. No, it's uh my thing this week is the podcast Strong Songs, uh, by Kirk Hamilton.
2: Pretty sure that was your thing already. That's all right. I use DuckTales like nine times.
1: I, yeah, I was about to say the second I said it, I think I've maybe done this one before, but I don't care. It's a good enough show, I'm gonna plug it again. Um,
2: Again, I've done DuckTales like nine times
1: True Uh, Yeah, Strong Songs, it's a podcast by Kirk Hamilton Who's a uh, jazz musician and video game writer um, Where he just goes through songs that are really Really iconic or really like have a lot going on And just breaks them down to an almost like molecular degree where you don't really need to know any any music theory like he just really breaks it down to like how does like how does this song work and what makes it interesting like he's like in one of them they did uh uh dancing queen and he spent probably a solid seven minutes just talking about the hi-hat and how it goes from being on the sides, except for when it's open, when it's, like, dead center and a little bit louder. And, like, he's really good at teasing out what makes these songs so interesting. And he he does f- episodes that are just based on uh, one song. He'll do some, like, grab bag episodes where he'll go through a bunch. Like, he, he actually did an animation one where he went through, I think, the Simpsons theme. He stole our bet! I know, right? <laughs> the Simpsons theme, uh, the Cowboy Bebop theme. The Evangelion theme and a fourth one that doesn't bang as hard as those three do. <laughs> um, and his most recent episode was uh, the World One One theme by Koji Kondo from the original Mario Brothers, which actually he has a podcast on Max Fun called Triple Click, where they have just started doing essentially strong songs episodes, but about video game music. Like he just did one about uh, the Final Fantasy VII remake that was spectacular um so yeah if you're if you're into music theory and music appreciation and like nerdy shit like that uh it's it's no
2: i like to hate music i don't appreciate (laughs) it
1: That, that that's fair you do smash my guitar every time you come into the kitchen that's kind of cool though like
0: you gotta smashing guitars is literally like a hallmark of any rock so that's,
1: that's yeah,
2: but it's not a hallmark of just like living in an apartment. We, we we've gone through so many guitars, it's a problem.
1: Yeah, I don't love a seventeen hundred dollar a week telecaster habit. <laughs> like the the pickups alone are costing me an arm and a leg and uh you know uh installation fees.
0: Listen, Kirstie Alley said when she quit cocaine, she replaced her habit with another habit and she spent the exact same amount of money on it. So she just like was that habit being on cheers? (laughs) It was a fifteen hundred dollar flower habit. She just bought herself flowers every week. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Which is a,
1: a powerful Kirstie Alley move. It really, really is. I mean, that is one thing you can say about Kirstie Alley is that she has always made big swings. (laughs) Yeah. She doesn't know how to do anything halfway, except
0: maybe the third look who's talking.
2: (laughs) That whole movie was halfway.
0: Yeah, fair.
2: It's not just her.
1: So uh, speaking of $1,500 flower habits, Kai, what are you into this week? Um, Well, I guess I have to ask,
0: how far into the future is this going to be? uh
1: like
2: a couple months actually
1: okay so i think this airs like late september we're
2: gonna we're gonna do it as a bonus with the last episode so it'll be the end of september
1: perfect this is
0: the middle of july and in the middle of july we're kind of in the doldrums of uh culture unless you're really into um uh folk horror taylor swift um
1: so (laughs) i
2: i have not listened to that yet but i have heard some things
1: she basically just tried to make the new Phoebe Bridgers album and she succeeded. Exactly. <laughs> with, with a boost from
0: Bon Iver and uh, the dude from The National. Yep. Uh, so, and I mean, assuming this airs far enough in advance, what I, what I would like to really be into this week is the um, free and widely available and super effective COVID vaccine. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, you that guys exists. are probably into that as well. Yes. Um, but if uh, things keep going the way they've been going, I guess what I will probably still be into next month is the Criterion channel. Oh, uh yeah. Which is a streaming service, um, which I know there's 1,200 of them um, and everyone's sick to death of them. But uh, if I could honestly get rid of everything except for one, this would be the one I would keep. Um Criterion Channel is kind of a uh, the streaming service offered by uh, the people behind the Criterion Collection, which is a collection of um, movies uh, that have some cinematic value, whether it be they were super trashy in a cool way or they were just a lot of fun or dramatic or groundbreaking and cast or crew. Uh, and the channel has a lot of stuff like that.
2: Oh, we're we're very familiar.
0: For 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 the audience who maybe isn't, um, I think you would be into the Criterion Channel. Um, they
2: just had here in July. They just had the big Criterion sale at Barnes and Noble, which I know because Brandon was having a bad day, and I said, "Hey, do you want me to bring you to Barnes and Noble and buy that bitch a Criterion? Will that make yeah. you feel better?"
1: Yeah, and it, and it 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 did make this bitch feel better. Um, <laughs> I, I bought I bought my one DVD that I buy uh, a year now, and it was the Blu-ray of Grand Budapest. Nice. Which uh, has, at some point over the last few years, become my favorite Wes Anderson movie by a country mile.
0: Fair. That's a fair pick. Um, I guess, what would my... My Wes Anderson would maybe be Fantastic Mr. Fox still? That's fair.
2: Which I still... Okay, I'm not getting into this right now. (laughs) For
0: the longest time, it was uh, uh, Life Aquatic, but... um, Finding out more about Bill Murray's personal life is tough.
2: I don't really enjoy any of them, so you don't have to defend them to me.
0: Fair. They are awfully twee. You have to be in a mood.
2: I have oh, I yeah. have a lot of opinions about Wes Anderson, and none of them are good.
0: Oh, hell yeah. Let's start the the new bonus pod is I think you wouldn't be into it, Wes <laughs> Anderson. I think you'd be but, turned off by it.
1: Um, Moonrise Kingdom was the first one where I, like, everyone's, like, issues with wes anderson that i'd never fully been able to wrap my head around it was the first one where i was like oh i 100 percent get every issue people have with this guy now because i hate this movie
0: (laughs) yeah that one's got a lot of them i also didn't like the isle of dogs where i'm just like come on man
1: i liked isle of dogs but it's it, it it felt like him trying to do anime which was a little bit uncomfortable fair right exactly
2: As opposed to all his other perfect cultural depictions that aren't at all uncomfortable.
1: (laughs)
0: Very fair. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, the last thing I bought for Criterion was their um, Godzilla collection, which is like all 13 of the Toho era. Yeah, they're extremely good. Man in a Rubber Suit Godzilla is really... I don't know why they don't go back to it. That's what we loved. That's what the people want. Let's get
1: back to it. (laughs) No Matthew Broderick in sight.
2: The only Godzilla I've seen is the newest one that came out.
1: With Coach Taylor.
2: And yeah, I enjoyed it. It was stupid. It was a big, dumb... It was a big, dumb monster movie. That was all I wanted from it. And it succeeded.
1: Wait, Coach Taylor was in that? I thought it was Brian Cranston.
0: That's the no. first Godzilla in the reboot with Aaron Taylor Thomas or whatever his name is. Um, and then Yeah, ATT.
1: One after that, Coach Taylor. Oh, I didn't know they'd done a second one.
2: That's yeah. the one I saw, the one with Mothra. Yes, correct. Where she comes in at the end and is like, honey, calm down.
0: The big, beautiful girl. She just does the damn thing.
1: Are the are those little... Does she have the little clam ladies with her? It's weird because they do include
0: a weird set of twins. Um, and they do play Mothra's song in order to summon her. So, like, they go just up to the edge of how ludicrous I want this to be. But they don't have little fairies. But they do have Atlantis. So it's buck wild how, huh. how they... Try to play it safe, but also swing for the fences.
1: Did you see uh, Skull Island? Yes. That felt like like Skull Island felt like the tone I wanted those Godzillas to have. Yes.
0: Yes, absolutely. When you've got Samuel L. Jackson, John Goodman, and John C. O'Reilly all exactly getting the tone that they needed to do for this thing.
2: I'm sorry, John C. O'Reilly?
0: John Houlihan C. O'Reilly. His given <laughs> name.
2: Okay. Okay. I'm and and you've got Mark okay. Evan
0: Jackson in there getting smushed, which is always yeah. uh, always a pleasure. <laughs> and then you've got Tom Hiddleston, who's just kind of a
2: Tom Hiddlestinging about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Tom Hiddlesting about.
1: I saw that movie. It was playing at the little like three screener down the road from us, and I my I walked down and I, I was either going to see that or Get Out. And I made the game time decision to see Kong instead because I was too scared to see Get Out that particular night. Okay, sure. And then I saw Get Out like two days later and it was great.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The (laughs) one thing you're guaranteed with these Kong and Godzilla movies is there won't be a moment of genuine fright. uh, Yes. At any point.
1: Or cultural reckoning. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) That's that's the sad thing is Godzilla used to have cultural reckoning like
1: baked into it, but not anymore. Nope. But speaking of cultural reckoning,
0: <laughs>
1: MTV, 1997? <laughs> That's uh, about right. 98? Yeah,
0: some somewhere in there. The re- the history is a little unclear. Um, <laughs> Late middle school for me.
2: This is this is our second discussion of that that uh, period of time for MTV, as we just did Clone High as well.
0: Oh, which has connections to this uh, in terms of music writing. Real? Oh, really? Uh, Lynch and Krakow wrote the music for Clone Eye.
1: Really? Oh, I didn't know that. MTV had
0: a strong stable.
1: But yeah, so Syphil and Ollie, the Syphil and Ollie show. Uh, sock puppet variety show created by Liam Lynch and Matt Krakow. Uh, it started airing. It originally was created as a series of like interstitial s- shorts for MTV Europe that they made like 40 of that were basically the same thing, just I think maybe in black and white. Um, where these two dudes would just, like, just riffed in a tape recorder and then filmed it with sock puppets. And because MTV would occasionally give $50 to people to make weird, under-the-radar shows, uh, they, uh, let these guys make a sock puppet variety show that they aired at, I think, 2 o'clock in the morning? On, like, Tuesdays or something. It was, it was in a preposterous uh, time period and a and in a pre Adult Swim era where like new shows didn't come on after like ten, um. So then they did the next best thing and moved it to seven p.m.
0: We might have had Adult Swim, but it was all old anime.
1: Uh, no, Adult Swim didn't uh, didn't uh, premiere until about two thousand two or three.
2: We only had Nick at Night. That was it.
1: Fair,
0: fair, okay.
1: But uh, this was one of those shows that I think for. People that saw it, it wound up being highly influential. Just not that many people saw it because there was no marketing whatsoever. It's the velvet underground of sketch comedy. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so, so, Kai, wh- what is it about Syphilinolli that has kept you coming back for since 1990? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, well, I mean, you kind of painted a picture there. Um, and if that sounds appealing to anyone of a certain age or mindset, uh, just kind of like you're old enough to finally kind of be left on your own to watch whatever TV you want late at night. And so you're just, you know, eating a bag of Doritos on a tube, uh, monitor <laughs> desktop computer. And, you know, the, 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 wide-legged jeans chat board that you belong to is a little (laughs) slow tonight and so uh whatever catches your ear behind you on basic cable just sorts of sort of becomes like a foundational uh memory for you so for me that was um army of darkness on stars mall rats on stars Um, And then at the time, a lot of really public access-y kind of anti-TV, like Mystery Science Theater 3000, which is from here uh, in Minneapolis, but also Tom Green Show, which was coming around. Oh, I um, forgot about that. MTV, that was just like Canadian public access. And they're like, here's the same budget, but we're going to give you to an audience of millions. And for whatever reason, this stuff was hitting with people. And Syphilin Ali is absolutely... Uh, of that ilk, and I mean, twenty years later it's still the songs are still catchy, the characters are still hilarious. um, the kind of um there's no linear plot even within an episode. It's not even episode of the week. it's literally two minutes at a time, yeah, just bits it is an and...
2: incredibly <laughs> watching Syphilin Ollie if you don't have a d h d feels like having a d h d
0: uh yeah. For this episode, I watched it two different ways. I watched it um, uh, sober ish with a beer or whatever, but uh, also with um, uh, with uh, my favorite drug marijuana. And doing it between the two ways, it's great either way. You can watch it either way. it doesn't require drugs. but having your short term memory reset every five minutes is definitely a great way to go through this yeah because oh, yeah. if you're like, wait what when did we start a new thing? What just happened?
1: Why are we singing Seasons in the Sun now?
2: <laughs> also with Sifil and Ollie, I think you just need to, like, accept that if you're trying to apply logic to it while you're watching it, that's just not what it is. It's a sketch show.
1: Sounds like you've got some serious-ass applying logic problems.
2: It's just it's just a sketch show with... it's. It's a sketch show, but with sock puppets. So, like... Treat it like any other sketch show. You wouldn't watch SNL, I mean, not that like SNL is the fucking high bar of sketch shows because, hey, unpopular opinion, it's fine. Um, but like, you wouldn't watch SNL and then-
1: I just submitted to them and I will say nothing publicly about the show. <laughs> <laughs>
2: but, like, but my point is you wouldn't be watching SNL and like be mad when the second sketch doesn't connect to the first one. Like, True. It's just a sketch show. It doesn't have continuity. It doesn't need to.
0: It doesn't need to. It doesn't even try. Uh, you know, Mystery Science Theater at least has a song kind of giving you the bones of what the show is about to be, so you're not so out of your depth. But Syffle and Ollie just has a theme song that's literally the word Syphil and Ollie show. And Ollie. Siffle and Ollie show. Everybody. And that song is catchy as
1: fuck, so. It is. All the Yo, songs are catchy as fuck. Agreed.
2: I woke up with the um fucking... Ides of March song in my head the other day
1: (laughs) That's such a good one
2: There's one iconic song to me In this, um, in Civil and Ollie About getting to llama school And because it involves The directions to llama school Are all LA streets Like it's clearly LA (laughs) Yep. Um, Whenever I Turn on to one of them I inevitably get the llama song in my head
1: Right Go to llama school Pico, Colorado, and Las Palmas (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, if I have to turn on to Pico, all of a sudden, for the rest of the day, I'm going, Pico, take Pico to Colorado, Colorado, Colorado,
1: Colorado. I had the same thing with Mr. Show when we first moved out here. So many minor Mr. Show characters are named after L.A. streets, like mm, DeLongpre. Yep. Yep. Um, where, like, I just, I can't, I can't pass by that street without hearing David Cross going, DeLongpre, DeLongpre. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, also a show of that time that basically is just being ripped off of a off, 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 off Broadway stage and being put on yep. television in front of everybody mm-hmm. with barely a budget increase and certainly no input from executives. Nope. <laughs> we're just like And in the middle of the night. Yeah, we're <laughs> not. We're not going to show this during advertising hours anyway, so do whatever you want. We just need fresh content.
2: And it's after it's after 10, 10 p.m., which is when the FCC stopped regulating things.
1: <laughs> right.
2: You were allowed to swear after 10 p.m. on cable TV.
1: Now, well, uh, here, now here's the big question. Which do you think holds up more, Mr. Show or Sifil and Ollie? <sighs> They're
2: different things.
1: They totally are.
2: They're doing different things. I think that there's definitely, like, audience overlap between the kind of people it appealed to, but, like, in another way, they're very, very different.
0: That is true. And the things that are timeless about them are different for each one. Like, Mr. Show is kind of, uh, it was topical about things that happened in the 90s, but, like, since we didn't solve any of those problems, like, those jokes hit different, but still fresh when you see them now.
1: That's true. Yeah, I forgot how political
0: Mister Show was. <laughs> so the, yeah, when there's like you know people seceding from the government with their guns and being weird about um, you know uh, behind the scenes uh, controversy on the production of shows and all of that stuff, it's like wow, the '90s. But also still now, which is sad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I can 100% see a group of LA jackasses marching around going "We're Earthlings, let's blow up Earth things," <laughs> or the gentrification
0: of San Francisco. Like that's, <laughs> that's still pretty cu- uh pretty current. I
2: guess I guess in a way that like they were both sketch shows, but Mr. Show dealt with like actual. It's not to like this is kind of reductive, but like Mr. Show was a show about adults, and Syphil and Ollie were ostensibly children,
0: adults who were still children. I would say. Yeah.
2: Yes, but like, but Syphil and Ollie, like, are very clearly played a lot more, like, young 20s, teenagers, stoners. Like, they just, they were, they were different kinds of people.
1: They're they're honestly kind of the next, like, age bracket up from Beavis and Butthead, if that makes sense. Yeah, Where where Beavis and Butthead are sort of, like, dumb, you know, 15, 16-year-olds. Sifil and Ollie read, like, you know... The weirdos in your junior year of college. For sure. You know, who have learned how to make songs and are doing their own little show, like at school, kind of in the corner.
2: Hmm, I wonder who else had a weird radio show in college.
1: Oh, you mean a a radio show that I put on Mondays at midnight because that's when Mr. Show aired? I don't know. (laughs) But that's the thing. Like, everybody who watched
0: this show had that and then like later started a podcast because that's basically what syphil Ollie is is a podcast where they're like oh we have to do a visual component here uh what's nearby a uh, sock cool
1: and a plastic buddha that we're gonna fold up and put
0: in one of the socks So Syphilin Ollie is still timeless to me because, like, if you literally just listen to audio of it as you're driving around, it's, you know, very comedy, bang, bang esque or, uh, you know, uh, anything on Adult Swim with Tim and Eric and stuff like that, where they just decided to be like, it's going to be sort of like TV, but we're not going to do anything TV. It's
2: going to be like TV.
0: It's going to be on TV, but it's really going to be about how much we hate TV.
1: I cannot believe this sentence is about to come out of my mouth.
2: Oh boy, I can't wait.
1: Give it to me. But 2020 has surprised me a lot. Not me. Syphilinolli would be a perfect quibby. You get the hell off this podcast.
2: You know what? Actually, that's fair.
1: Syphilinolli would be a perfect quibby. Just like Reno 911 was a perfect quibby.
2: That's actually fair. I can, you're not wrong, but I do hate it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, yes. I hate it. I hate that those words came out of my mouth, but it would be a perfect Quibby. The only thing that it can't be
0: a Quibby about is the fact that Quibi has given everyone like a $50 million per episode budget and civil and Ollie <laughs> wouldn't know what to do with more than five bucks and a shoebox full of props. Like
2: that's, Oh, so then it's a perfect CISO.
0: That's true. Now we're talking niche streaming service.
1: Well, cause they did, they did bring it back uh, around 2010 or 11 they brought it back for a hot second on first the Machinima YouTube channel and then the Nerdist YouTube channel where they they did like eight to ten minute episodes. The, the premise was that they were going to be reviewing video games, which like was pretty ignored pretty quickly.
2: Well,
0: that's the um, right. only way they got on Machinima. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Well, well and that, I mean, the way they got them and Beavis and Butthead got on MTV is they're just like, uh, we're going to cut a music video in here and it'll be th- in that way related to it. This was before MTV had completely abandoned its responsibilities to the culture. Um,
1: <laughs> at, yeah. the,
0: at the time this came out, they were still like, it has to be related to music videos. We're music TV. And about three years after this, they were like, we will not be showing those anymore.
1: Yeah, that's what MTV2 is for. <laughs>
2: calling any of look I like we just said there's a lot of really good really catchy music but calling anything on civil and only a music video is a really strong word
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh well no it, it, when when they when they originally aired them they would split the up ep- they would they would make an episode that was 30 minutes long but then they would split it in half and then air it over two airings and fill the rest of the time with like music videos that were just playing at the time and all they did like, instead of where Beavis and Butthead would do their, their commentary, they would just occasionally have them, like, walk across the bottom of the frame, like, in front of a green screen. And it, it bummed me out so bad because, like, I I wanted to see Syphil and Ollie, not, like, an O-Town video. <laughs> yeah. for, for as much as I do respect Professor Angel, I'm not there for him. I'm there for yeah, my sock yeah. puppet boys.
2: So we are all talking about, we know what we're talking about, but I've just, we've never, we didn't really talk about yet what the show (laughs) actually is for people who have no idea what the fuck we're talking about.
1: This and the Clone High episode are going to make no sense to anyone that have never seen these shows.
2: No, we explained the premise of Clone High because we sang the theme song.
1: Um, Because I recited it like a poem. Correct
2: like a beautiful poem.
0: When you guys asked me if I wanted to do this, I excitedly agreed um and then as soon as I did, I realized this is going to be the thinnest episode of your podcast ever because the only people who will listen to this episode are the people who see the word Sifil and Ollie in the title and are immediately like, "Yes, my favorite show. I'll listen to that." Anyone who's unfamiliar, I feel like will just be like,
1: "No." There there is I would say there is a contingent of people who know about Sifil and Ollie because For the longest time, you can only find the songs in anime music videos on YouTube. (laughs) Okay, yeah, yeah. Same with Weezer songs for a minute. So so there's probably a big contingent of people who just, like, know Weird Day because it was used in, like, a My Hero Academia, you know, FMV from 15 years ago. Sure.
2: In fairness, we have a lot of weird comedy nerd friends, so um, there's a really good chance that a lot of people are going to know what Civil and All is.
0: Oh, yeah. But oh, nonetheless, yes. we will try to uh, describe the show for a potential newcomer.
2: All our friends are from a sketch comedy theater, so <laughs> <laughs> right, yep. But basically, okay. So it's I'll I'll do as the person here who has not seen a lot of it. Let me try to explain this to people. It is a show that aired on MTV Late Night, as we said. That was basically it was a basically in the format of a like public access. Just, like, talking heads talk show between two dudes. But the two dudes are these two sock puppets. And they have, like, an intern who is a third sock puppet named Chester. And all the wild cast of characters are all sock puppets. They have, like... And when I say, like, public access, like, chat show, like, to the point of where they have, like, call-ins... Like, a lot of, like, one section of the show is just, like, people calling in, like, you would get on, like, a public access talk show, or, like, just some rando from town would call and be like, yeah, I just want to tell you that, like, my shitty band is playing next week, and you have to pretend to be excited about it.
1: And and half the time it's just them going, what the hell, man?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just yelling at people. And then occasionally they will do these, these very, very catchy songs, and, um... Know, it just, it was, it's just weird. It doesn't really have continuity, but it does have its own, like, logic, if that makes sense.
0: And there's a weird little lore to it as well. Yeah. Though, again, no continuity.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It, it's it's honestly, the, the thing you said about lore is kind of right. It's like, it feels like it takes its, like, world kind of seriously in how, like, just kind of absurd it's going to be. Uh much the same way that, like, Children's Hospital built up this Byzantine amount of continuity, and it was just levels on levels on levels, and the show didn't care if it, about its about its like through line, but it cared so much about the like, uh, like weird world they created. Right,
0: and so, like Beth said, this is kind of like a call-in public access show where. <laughs> Um, All the characters that aren't Syphil, Ollie, or Chester, um, or Precious Roy, are the people who call in, (laughs) who who kind of call in and just kind of harass them, or um, try to score tickets to a concert from them, or tell them they suck. Like, this is classic public access call-in, where someone's just like, Hey, you suck! And it's like, come on, man, why are you calling us? (laughs) And they're like, No, you suck!
1: You do this every week.
2: The closest example I've ever seen of somebody like, Replicating this kind of thing in media Is actually on um, Letterkenny When the boys have their own public access show For a little while And it's just like other people from town Calling in and them being like Fucking you suck dude shut up stop calling (laughs) Fuck you Yeah, You, You suck And then like just calling to argue with them And just broadcasting their arguments With their neighbors
1: Yeah the only difference is that then the Letterkenny boys Don't do like an awesome song about fake blood But they could They could have, they should have, but they didn't. Uh, Fake blood for the boys. (laughs)
0: Uh, Yeah, because people who call into Syphil and Ollie are regularly like death or the concept of an orgasm or uh, a dude in a full gimp
1: suit or their landlord. So it could be anybody. Or a guy who swallowed an Irish guy who swallowed a penny whistle. (laughs)
2: Yeah, we were, just, <laughs> we were just watching that one before we were on the call. Uh, guy, I swore it with Penny followed, Whistle. Yeah, it's Penny Whistle. And then that was followed by an alien calling to threaten to blow up the earth. But he can't get anybody to listen to him because the boys are so distracted talking about the rock star who had called beforehand saying that he was playing a show that night.
1: Yo, Zaffo's playing a show this night?
2: Yeah, and then the alien's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Dude, I, I saw
1: him at the Metro six months ago. It was, it was amazing. He played for 13 hours. 13, Thirteen hours! hours! No! Hey man, yeah. can you give me tickets?
2: yeah 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 okay I gotta why why'd you call uh I gotta make a really big decision I'll call you back. (laughs) exactly
1: (laughs) it's 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 real it's a really finessed version of that kind of like 90s like I've always hated the term like slacker humor because that's like a a fairly loaded term against a particular generation but like it is kind of the, the most finessed version of that of the sort of like whatever dude You know, it's wild. But it's so finessed, like as
0: improvisational and conversational and like uh, two dipshits with a tape recorder doing a podcast as this feels like when you're watching it, it's really well written and the jokes land more often than they don't um, because, you know, just like out of nowhere, they have that little button on the bit and then they just cut away. There's nothing to resolve here. Oh, yeah. We have a song to do right now about a carrot that I'm in love with.
1: And, like, it, it, from the fact that Krakow uh, and Lynch had been, like, best friends from when they were much younger and had been doing this for years. Like, I think the original, like, first short they made uh, was just made entirely by, by Liam uh, as, like, a birthday present. Like, he had these tapes and was like, I'm just going to do something, you know, for my friend. And it wound up being, like, a cool thing that eventually turned into a, a, a TV show. Um, and Liam Lynch has also had a really interesting career since Sifilinali. Uh Matt Matt Crocco hasn't had as as much of a public career from what I've from what I've seen and from like the little bit of research I've done, but uh Lynch went under uh he directed Sarah Silverman's first stand-up movie, uh Jesus's Magic I believe. Um he directed the Tenacious D movie which uh yep. I I en- I enjoy more than I think that movie deserves maybe um and he's also just been releasing like music and stuff consistently since syphil and ollie and he's the voice of of ollie and matt crocco is syphil and also chester um
0: i think it's fair to say most people probably uh in the wider public uh have encountered syphil and ollie via liam lynch's united states of whatever yes uh, which was first first was just a syphil and ollie song a song on the show but like (laughs) charted in the uk um yeah. then, then then made it onto American like
1: alt rock airwaves for like one wild summer,
2: yeah, that's the most bizarre thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that was from his, his he released a record called Fake Songs, My Freshman Year of College, which uh was basically just an Ollie solo album uh, and it's it's real good, it's real good, <laughs> but that was on there, and he did like a weird little like press run for it, like he played it on Letterman. Um, he did it, like, he opened, like, the Foo Fighters backed him once when he played it here in L.A. Right, I think that's through Tenacious D,
0: Dave Grohl got hooked up with him, and then Foo Fighters, yeah.
1: And, because c- Dave Grohl has notoriously great
0: comedy taste, like... He absolutely has, he's always had great chops as far as, like, comedic timing and oh, bits, totally. sketches, stuff like that.
1: He's so good in the Tenacious D movie as Satan. Yeah. Like... I wish the rest of the movie had been as good as that part. <laughs> and that's saying something when you're like a movie full of professional uh,
0: comedians and actors and you're like, God, can we get the drummer from Nirvana back in this thing? Cause... Yeah, right?
1: Well, he took, he took the role that was originated by Scott Adsit in the TV version right, and uh, took it to the big screen in the way that only Dave Grohl can. <laughs> and all, all the diehard Scott Adsit fans are like, Dave Grohl sucks, man at release the ad sit cut.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But, like, speaking of Tenacious D, like, there are also, like, people who are fans of early Tenacious D, like, if you then go listen to Siffle and Ollie, you can kind of hear, like, that that kind of influence of, like, comedy songs and and of that, like, it's very of its era, for sure.
1: And specifically, like, rock, you know?
2: (laughs) Because, like, at this time, too, Jack Black was still just, like, a cast member on Mr. Show.
0: Yeah. And a nameless one. Like, really bit. Tom Kenny was the all-star there.
2: Yeah.
1: Which which is fair. Tom Kenny is a, is a confirmed genius. I mean,
0: yeah. If anyone deserves the millions they've reaped since Mr. Show, it's oh, yeah,
1: Tom Kenny. I met him at Comic-Con very briefly. He was just, like, at the Shout Factory booth. And I stood in line between a bunch of, like, like a gaggle of, like, eight-year-olds. That were talking to him, and then I was like, "Oh, yeah, I, I, I like SpongeBob too, but I, I just, I really like Mr. Show. <laughs> Mr. Show was very important to me. Thank you, Tom." <laughs> yeah, excuse me,
0: kids. A uh, bearded thirty-something needs to have a quick <laughs> word with the voice of SpongeBob,
2: dude. That man works so much and deserves all the. I the. The woman I take VO from, uh, shout out to Robin Reed, she's a great VO teacher, but she's she's even said, she's like, yeah, if anybody ever wants to meet Tom Kenny, just, like, walk up and down Cahuengo one day, because he's constantly just going back and forth to different studios all day recording. Oh, I'm sure. Because he just works so
0: much. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah, he, like, he, he is a confirmed genius. Our, our uh, friend of the show, Gil Barron, made a very good point about Mr. Show a little while ago, which was that, like... <sighs> Bob and David were the least interesting cast members on that show. Absolutely. Like it 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 would have if it was Mr. Show with Bob and PFT and John Ennis and Jay Johnston uh and also David. It, it, I think is is a better indicator of where the real strengths of that show lies. Uh,
0: it's certainly performers Absolutely. They're the worst performers on that show. But, you know, you can really get the the voice of the show is coming through them. And, uh, you know, Bob's kind of weird, um, surreal sense of humor that he was doing uh, with a lot of different people. And David's really political and pissed off, dude, kind of stirring them together. I think it's fair that the show was named after them. Oh, totally.
2: Yeah, but I also think the funniest thing about, like, what you're saying of it being, like, all the other people were probably better actors, is that, like, Bob and David are really good at playing anybody but themselves.
1: That's true. That's true. <laughs> They're just,
2: like, really not great at playing themselves.
1: That's fair. And again, not to, like, shit on one of the literally most formative shows In my history. No,
2: we're not. But I mean, but that's also just like it's a hard thing to play. It's harder to play a version of yourself than it is to play some other character that you can completely divorce from yourself. Being the face of something and being both a character and a person is hard.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. And and I don't mean to just shit on everybody else on that show, like being like, oh, they're just really great performers while they're The Vision. Like, The Vision does not work on that show without those performers honing the skills, reading the lines better than they were written, all of that. Like, John Ennis is my MVP on that show. I fucking oh, love God, everything yeah. he does. Whenever he's on screen, I forget anyone else exists.
1: Oh, yeah. He's, he's him and Jay Johnson are two of the best sketch actors, maybe of all time.
0: The herky jerky is still my go-to wedding dance floor move. You <laughs> will see it next year.
1: My, uh, mine is champion the drinker. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think. Uh, I think Brandon, when we met Paul F. Tompkins at Comic Con, like he was there for some unrelated project, but at the meet and greet, I just went up to him and I was like, "Hey, man, the lie detector test on on Mister Show is." Still, formative sketch writing one hundred and one experience to me. I mean, he was just the biggest sweetheart about it, like in a three piece wool suit in one hundred and ten degree weather. Like, oh, thank you so much. I'm not here for that, but it's really nice of you to mention it.
2: Yeah, he's always he's always very lovely to me. He's always very kind to people who are fans of his stuff. We've met him a few times. uh They used to do thrilling adventure hour at Largo. Mm. Remember when we were allowed to go see shows in person? Right? That was pretty cool.
1: Oof. That was I that was pretty rad. World. Yeah. I missed All right, mood. favorite
2: Syphilin Ollie song. You got to do it. Mm. I got to make you For pick. me, it's
1: got to be Fake Blood.
2: Okay.
1: Fake Blood's a good one.
0: Uh, That's my favorite original Syphilin Ollie song, though if I had to put something on a mix CD for a girl I was crushing hard on in my first year of college, perhaps it would be Syphilin Ollie's cover of Just What I Needed by The Cars.
2: Perhaps? This sounds like a really specific example, Kai.
0: <laughs> I feel like that perhaps is doing a lot of work here. <laughs> That perhaps is doing so much heavy lifting, it's
1: got a back brace on. Yeah. It took
2: a lot of hefty lifting in that sentence.
1: (laughs) That that perhaps is going to get a hernia sooner than later.
2: (laughs) Look, I mean, I I already lived through the several weeks of Brandon having seasons in the sun in his head during this quarantine. That is true. This year of our Lord 2020, Brandon did have a several week run of seasons in the sun.
1: (laughs) Which started from Chester's version and then moved to the Beach Boys and then to Rod McEwen and then to the original French, Le Moribon, by uh, Jacques Brel. <laughs> um, I, though, I, so as, as far as favorite Sifflinoli song goes, I think for me it's, it's a, a toss-up between uh, I Sure Do Miss the 80s. Um, or Ides of March or whatever you want to call it.
2: I think it's called, I, I don't know, but that's the one I woke up with in my head the other day. And I was like, hey, I, I think I did. I told you, I was like, hey, so I have, uh, I just woke up and I have the Ides of March song in my head and, um, fuck you. This is
1: your fault. Yeah, that, that is, that is a song, uh, that plays while Sifil's clone machine is going crazy and the room is filling with clones of Sifil. Um, <laughs> but it's either that or probably Weird Day, uh which is a song where Sifils just staring off into space because he's having a weird day and uh they sing a song about what it's like to have a weird day and it's it's one of those ones that just like
2: it's very sweet actually it
1: it's very it's very sweet it's very Almost earnest all of it's, them it's, are they are yeah they're they're really all their songwriting was really good and the production is so low, like charmingly lo-fi
2: yeah as much as we're talking about them being comedy songs like they're all very earnest
0: oh yeah and, and, you know, like, the hallmark of any good comedy song is, like, the bones of the songwriting have to be whip-smart. Like, you have to know what you're doing, or it just doesn't work, especially more than once. And these are endlessly repeatable. Like, they're all earworms.
2: I don't actually know. How many... How long was Syphil and on Like, how many of these are there? I've only kind of ever observed it. You can get it on iTunes, I think, because we have it. We have some of it on iTunes, but a lot of it we just kind of end up finding on YouTube. So, like, I've never really just, like, looked at an episode and, like, figured out how they're structured.
1: That's a question that has, like, four answers. <laughs> okay. Let me answer your question by beginning with another question.
2: Give me give me, your me your and Ollie TED Talk. I'm here for it.
1: The Oxford English Dictionary defines a uh, and Ollie show as... Um, no, they they ran for essentially two seasons on MTV. Two seasons canonically. Yes. Yeah, two seasons canonically and then they made a third season that was supposed to be for mtv.com that never wound up airing on the internet or on TV and so they only sold it on DVD through their website. Um which no longer is on the internet and I don't even know i if, if I don't know if you wanted to buy that DVD, I don't know where you would go to get one. Um There's this website called ebay.com,
0: E B A Y. <laughs> and you can pay a lot for it.
1: Yeah, so I so it's like those three and then the machinima uh nerdist little run. So yeah, two T V seasons, a DVD
0: And then whatever's going on at Liam Lynch's website now, where, like, he's still releasing stuff uh, on his website uh, with Matt Krakow frequently, um, and then a lot of them are also uh, unreleased season three bits that they pepper in there as well,
1: so. True, yeah.
2: So, like, the ones we have on our iTunes are, like, the two seasons.
1: Almost certainly. And the well the ones on iTunes are best ofs. So I don't think they're the actual episodes. That's the one that's on Amazon Prime as well. Yeah. I think it's just collections. I don't think they're I don't think there are any full episodes on there. In
0: preparation for this, I went uh I fired up the old desktop and went to com and uh just legally acquired Ooh,
2: wow. I did not know that still existed.
0: <laughs> yeah, legally acquired the uh entire two season run. Uh, In original VHS rips, uh, which is also how I acquired uh, two or three seasons of Joe Bob's Monster Vision, the TNT run. Uh, Speaking of 1997, (laughs) formative shit.
1: I had gone on to MySpleen, (laughs) which was a Comedy Torrents site, and downloaded... I deleted them because it was taking up 40 gigabytes of hard drive space and I needed that... (laughs) But someone had had done a, a collection where they remastered Siphioli the way it actually aired. Um, and like with like the actual like promos and real bumpers and stuff uh, in like a nice video quality. And it was so choice to see those things not for like a VHS rip. <laughs> Oh, no, man, I'm telling you, going back to the VHS, I'm like those assholes with
0: vinyl who are like, VHS just has a warmer picture, you know, those hisses and cracks, the shit's so fucking pure. I only listen to audience recordings of the dead, man. (laughs) There's a little scroll at the top of my uh, syphilin ollie rips that's like, two days till spring break, four days (laughs) till VMAs. It's... Pure MTV in 1998, and uh, I recommend people track it down and watch it that way.
1: We watched the Fleetwood
0: Mac behind the music. I watched the first two thirds of the MC Hammer behind the music, and if there's one thing I've learned about money, it's that it never runs out.
1: Nothing bad ever happens to a Kennedy. (laughs) I forget what I was saying. (laughs) You're you're watching Fleetwood Mac. Oh yeah, we were watching the Fleetwood Mac behind the music, which we watched literally the night before Peter Green died, and they devoted about six words to him. Wait, who? Peter Green, the original Fleetwood Mac guy.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. You can tell how much attention I paid to that documentary, and I didn't realize that guy died like a day later. I'm not... Okay. Sure.
1: But like five minutes into it, there was an MTV scroll along the bottom where like someone from like Not Soundgarden, but a band that sure sounds like Soundgarden had died or been injured or something. And there was just this scroll about it that was on screen for multiple minutes at a time. Um, And then it went away and came back later.
0: That's breaking news, baby. That's the only way you can learn about it back in the day.
1: Yep. Had to wait for Kurt Loader to break
0: in. (laughs) Either that or you belong to a BBS message board and the subtopic that you were... uh, Hopelessly addicted to scrolling was devoted to music news. Yup. Oh, we wasted our our youth, man. We wasted it. Wasted our youth. Wasted our youth. Uh, But speaking of wasted youth. No um, (laughs) regrets. Yeah, I have no regrets about dedicating a decade of my youth to uh, Kevin Smith fandom. That's uh, that's the <laughs> gift that keeps on giving, baby.
1: Uh,
2: Brandon was Brandon was given some uh, bad. This is how you know that we're adults now because Brandon went to the the movies, pop up, and then spent the rest of the day having a bad time.
1: I did, <laughs> and, and admittedly, my my mistake was I went in there, and it's it's one of these like. Like, there's this spot in West Hollywood that just does, like, pop up restaurants. Like, before it was movies, it was the Good Burger. And before that, it was the Pokemon thing. And before that, it was the, you know, Heisenberg's Kitchen. Oh, yeah. And it was the Save by the Bell one for, like, a year.
2: I don't think it was the Pokemon one.
1: No, it, it was, but it just wasn't there for very long. Um, I missed
2: the Pokemon one, yeah.
1: But like you sort of like buy your quote unquote ticket for it in advance, and so you have to like make your food choice in advance. And I was not aware that the one burger option was a triple until I bit into it, and then was like, "Well, this this burger and this meal and this little bit of merch costs thirty dollars, so I might as well finish it." And that was a mistake, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No shit. <laughs>
2: Goodbye, my friend, it's time to die.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Bonjour, Kevin, it's time to die. Your movies are only good when you're high. Uh, yeah. Oops. <laughs> Whoops.
2: Anyway, on that note, Brandon.
1: Kai, are there are there any other uh topics in Syphil and that uh we haven't discussed that you would like to? I mean, uh, we've kind of gone over all the characters,
0: all the bits, all the, our favorite things. Um,
2: and also that, you know, if you don't know what we're talking about, you just got to go see it. And then why did you listen to this episode? Uh,
0: which, which joyfully, um, while, while, as we said, it's impossible to find, uh, for the most part, legitimately, um, uh. YouTube.com, a video sharing website, has a lot of uh, Sifil and Ollie clips and songs available um, if you go to it. So you can immediately and for free find out what we're talking about by simply typing in Sifil and Ollie uh, into the search bar.
1: S-I-F-L.
0: Which I
2: guess that is kind of like one of the benefits of it being that format we were talking about, of that like it really only exists in two minutes at a time. Is that it makes it easy to like find little clips without having to go find a whole episode.
0: <laughs> so for me, really better than um, it's it's not really suited for Quibi, but it's perfectly suited for um, the copyright free zone known as YouTube.com because that's where you can really get it in the purest distillation of what they were trying to do.
1: Yep, and because it doesn't have much uh, copyrighted music, it's it's not doesn't get taken down all the time. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and MTV wants nothing to do with it, so they don't care. Oh, yeah.
2: Horrible quality, very confusing, completely disowned. <laughs> Perfect for YouTube.
1: It can be helpful when MTV just abandons a show and it's just like, oh, we're not gonna... No one gives a shit about Clone High. We're not gonna take those episodes down on YouTube, fuck it.
2: <laughs> well, now they are, I'm
0: sure.
1: Controversial Uh, uh. question time. Which holds up
0: better, Syphil Ollie or Clone High? Oh... Ugh.
2: They were doing very different things.
0: We can't say that every time we do this. We have to, we have to start making decisions.
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go on like a Gandhi-esque spirit journey uh, through <laughs> Australia to really figure out uh, an answer to that question. I, I did not study for the PXJTs hard enough to be able to answer that.
2: I definitely have one. I definitely think that Ollie holds up better because yeah. I think that the like wh- what we've been talking about about like the pure just like this kind of shitty cable access show that it's parodying still exists whereas the the tone of like teen media that clone high was parodying has changed a lot in the past 20 years this kind of like pure I'm just gonna talk shit and people are gonna call in stuff like really hasn't and so I think it really holds up in a more universal way than Clone High does. Because even we had this conversation when we were doing Clone High about certain things that we were like, oh, like, it's not as problematic as some older shows, but, like, there's definitely still some <laughs> stuff in it that, like, doesn't really work in 2020. And I don't think there's really anything in Sifl and Ollie like that because it was just such pure absurdity that it was, it just still works.
0: Anything that even gets close to being problematic is on its face so stupid and joyfully just, like, two dudes farting around with a eight track that like you you can't even read worst intentions into it it's just so it's
2: like the kind of thing where in 2020 somebody would be like that's really rude that you're making fun of irish people because you swallowed with a penny and then we're like he's a sock puppet that swallowed his penny whistle and then farts and it makes a noise this is not a real depiction of irish people Yeah, fuck off!
0: Like, and and my and the the great thing about that bit is it's two to three minutes of a, a a sketch that doesn't work. It's not funny.
2: It's like thirty seconds.
0: But then the fart joke happens, and you're like, oh, that's right. They took me on a three minute journey for that penny whistle fart joke.
2: It's not even three minutes. It's like forty five seconds.
0: It's so good. Emotionally, it's three minutes. It
2: is emotionally three <laughs> minutes, but like, yeah, it's just. I think it's just so like these kind of people still are out there and we are these kind of people and so I think it does really hold up a lot better for like just like pure joy of what it was doing better than Clone High.
1: Oh totally. Yeah, no, I so think I go. think you're absolutely There's right.
2: There's my answer to your controversial question. Love it. You're off the hook, Brandon. I answered it for you.
1: Yay. I think I mean I think I'm inclined to agree with you. With Mystery
0: Science Theater getting the reboot and Joe Bob Briggs got his reboot on Shudder, and then now Clone High is getting its reboot, Civil and Ollie will never get a reboot, right? Like there's no way
2: No. Absolutely not. Yeah.
0: I, because like Beth said, this is everyone does this now. Yeah. Like, yeah. Anybody on YouTube is doing this. You're this isn't like
1: novel.
2: You can just set up a you can just record your Zoom call with some sock puppets and yeah. uh
1: it's literally what we do for Happy Sappy. Like, that show is half puppets now.
2: <laughs> it is. We do. The Indica, Indica, and uh, Sativa are great little hand puppets.
0: Yeah. So I think in that way, Syphilin Ali is always going to be pure because it'll never get the high-definition, big-budget streaming reboot that everything else seems like it's going to get plumbed for.
2: Yeah, and I think it is just... It's really pure in what it was doing, and it was really, like, formative and good, but I, I don't think that, like you can't reboot Sifil Like it's just not, not to be like the magic's gone, but like in 2020, any asshole with a computer can, can do that. And so it's not, not that it needs to be revolutionary, but like it feels really good as a historical piece. It doesn't feel good as something I would want there to be new ones.
1: Totally.
0: Yeah. To circle, to circle back to your opening question for me, like what, what does, what does it for me with this is like, it's absolutely still 1997 98 90-hmm, when i watched this like it smooths out all the bad wrinkles in my brain and i just kind of regress like i know nostalgia's bad because like it's the last haven for people who've given up hope in a future but like <laughs> That's where we're at in 2020. So Syphil and Ollie, man, I just am immediately back in my mom's basement with like cheese puffs and like three weirdos from the internet are my best friends. Shout out Kevin, Justin, and Brandon. And Syphilin Ollie is like the height of comedy for me. I don't have to be really smart, well-read, or versed in comedy to get it, but if you are, there's so much here for you to get.
1: Hell Yeah. Well, thank you uh, so much for joining us on this Cress as Hell episode. Cress. Wicked Cress. <sighs> Super Cress at best. Um, if people wanted to find more Kai Pearson content on the internet, and if you wanted them to do that, how would they? How could they do that?
2: And an answer can be, nah, fuck you. I don't want you following me. <laughs> We've had that be the answer. <laughs>
1: yep. Um
0: yeah. I'm fairly anonymous on the internet, so it's kind of hard to find me, but, um, you can definitely find me on letterboxed.com. uh, username, uh, great big fat guy. Um, and then I also have my own podcast, uh, called I can't believe you made me watch that, uh, which you can find on Twitter, uh, we we basically just watched the worst movie from every year since 1929, um, which is every oh, other bad movie podcast. Yeah, it's it's not a novel concept, but it's the one that has me getting drunk on it. Um, that's <laughs> at sign I C B Y M M W T. Uh, you can find that uh, wherever Spotify is on your phone.
1: Oh hell yeah! All right. Um, I'm just on my same old bullshit. Uh, got my some tracks on my SoundCloud. Uh, happy sappy grown up hour is the third Wednesday of the month on Twitch at 8 p.m. Twitch.tv slash packtheater. Um, We're kind of changing the format of it a little bit. We're going to kind of move away from the more like late-night talk show elements of it and make it more of just like a pure kids show. Uh, Actually,
2: when this airs, babe, it will have been on the week before.
1: Oh. Well, I'm not going to cut this out, so. Uh, I'm (laughs) um, just telling you. Yeah, yeah. I watched it a week ago, and it was great. Oh, thank great you. format change, dog. Um. Oh yeah, that was the yeah. I had just done a, a really dumb Jimmy Buffett uh piece for last month's show.
2: For last month's show, the one that would have been on the week before this airs will be.
1: I have I have no idea what will day, be the moving day It is.
2: <laughs> I that's because I do all the scheduling. Don't worry about it. I'm thinking into the future here.
1: Whereas, like, I'm like, am I talking to myself in the past? What's happening? Um, <laughs> Don't
2: worry about it. Third Wednesday of every month, it's a gre- it's a kids show for adults.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's horny Sesame Street. Um, a, it's a less bleak Wonder in Um, it's uh, Mr. Rogers with boobs. Um, Syphilin Ollie with strap-ons.
2: I mean, now that we're on, now that y'all are on the internet and not live, there are significantly less boobs because you can get away with more boobs live in person than on Twitch.
1: That's true. We we did do a a uh, a piece in the live show once where uh uh Nikki the host had pasties on over her nipples that looked like top hats and canes and her nipples came to life and talked like they were old vaudeville comedians. <laughs> and uh it 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 was oh, it's so stupid. Um <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that I I think that's all I have. If that's not funny to you, then what are we even doing? Yeah, yet? yeah. Yeah, and, right?
2: Then don't watch and Ollie*.
1: Yeah, right? Yeah. Um I think yeah, I think that's all I have. I think that's all I have.
2: All right. Uh I can be found everywhere at at B scores, uh per usual i still don't really have anything to plug because we're still not allowed to go in public um i i would love if at the end of september when this airs that weren't true anymore but we were optimistic when we recorded in may for july and we were made to be <laughs> fools
1: as i've been editing the last two months of the show i've just been l- l- watching everything get worse and worse, and we are more and more wrong as every episode goes on. Homie, we're moving towards an election. This...
0: (laughs) This is not over.
2: Yeah, right? As the Pod Save America boys say, I'm not in the prediction business anymore. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so still nothing to plug. But uh, you can follow the show online at, at IntuitPod on Twitter. And you can find us on Facebook at I Think You'd Be into it. You can follow the hashtag IntuitPod on Instagram, which is mostly posted from my account, if you want to find me there. Um, and thank you, as always, to Kaylin West and Tiny Stills for the use of our theme song, Starting Over is a Lot Like Giving Up, off the album Falling is Like Flying.
1: Yeah, Kai, thanks again uh, for joining us. It's always nice to talk with you. Yeah, it's always great talking to you guys. So, uh, yeah, all that being said, by my podcast ending, suckers! Goodbye, Papa, please pray for me.
0: I was the black sheep of the family. You tried to teach me right from wrong.
1: Too much wine and too much sun Wonder how I got along Goodbye, Papa, it's hard to die
0: When all the birds are singing in the sky
2: Now that the spring is in the air With the flowers everywhere I wish we could be there We had joy, we had fun, we had seasons The hills that we climbed were just seasons out of time. We had joy, we had
1: fun, we had seasons in the sun. But the wine and the song, like the seasons have all gone.